Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Former assistant Cook County State's Attorney David Shostokas is a Republican candidate for Illinois Attorney General. He's been involved in elections and election law for over 30 years, most recently with the National Republican Senatorial Committee in Georgia and working with Judicial Watch as counsel in Illinois Conservative Union versus Illinois State Board of Elections. David, before we talk about your campaign, let's discuss ICU's recent legal victory. ICU won a chance to proceed with part of its federal lawsuit accusing the Illinois State Board of Elections of violating federal law by limiting access to the state's voter registration database and restricting the group's ability to audit the data for irregularities. This is a big case. Yes, it is, uh, Monty. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, it's great to be with the audience of uh, Illinois Family Action. And so we are pursuing this case. This case actually is about three years old, but the fact is is that the National Voter Registration Act of the, uh, of the federal government indicates that the states have obligations to keep their voter rolls clean. Part and parcel of the way they are enforced to keep them clean is the National Voter Registration Act provides for citizen enforcement of the uh, cleaning of the voter rolls. The uh, leadership of the Illinois Conservative Union about three years ago started uh, trying to get the data from the uh, Board of Elections to be able to enforce the uh, citizen uh, citizens' rights under the National Voter Registration Act. And the Board of Elections just said, nah, you, we, we don't have to give that to you. And so that's been going on for a little over three years. And in the last recent past, in uh, late September, the federal court uh, for which we are in which we are in the Northern District of Illinois ruled in our favor, indicating that the Board of Elections no, in fact, has to follow federal law. They've had uh, several motions to dismiss. This was the last motion to dismiss. So now we will be proceeding on this case, indicating that, in fact, ultimately, these uh, the leadership of ICU will be able to have the voter data necessary to uh, determine whether or not the Illinois State Board of Elections and all the 109 various jurisdictions across the state of Illinois will have kept the voter rolls uh, in the way they need to be kept. Well, they've been fighting this tooth and nail. And to me, that says, oh, just what are they hiding? That would be uh, the precise question. You know, early data indicated that there was 26 of the 102 counties in Illinois had more people registered to vote than lived in the county of voting age. This is just the start. This is how elections are, in fact, interfered with by inflating the voter rolls to give people with bad intentions the ability to manage these inflated rolls. So if you do eventually have the legal right to look at those voting rolls, what do you think you'll find? Well, there's any number of things. Uh, Illinois Conservative Union will have, uh, they've already recruited a number of volunteers that uh, will in fact go to the various county clerks with, uh, with the data indicating that certain individuals uh, have moved, certain individuals have died, these people need to be removed from the voter rolls. So they will be taking an active role in uh, cleaning up the rolls around the state of Illinois. Well, David, in terms of election integrity in Illinois, uh, just how important is this case? What would a positive outcome in the next few months mean for the 22 election in Illinois? 
one of the counts, count two, is what they call an equal protection count. And the equal protection count, we're asking that under the 14th Amendment, we are being denied equal protection of the laws, or the Illinois Conservative Union is being denied equal protection of the laws because the state of Illinois does, in fact, make such uh, data available to certain classes of individuals, whether it's a, a political party, whether it's a particular candidate, but general citizens are denied such information and should. Uh, we went on the equal protection uh, claim, uh, a long antiquated restriction on uh, Illinois voting information will have been stricken down. There is no good reason outside of uh, manipulation by other parties who may very well be nefarious. There's no good reason to uh, deny this information to the public. But I'm thinking this is something that could really have an impact, especially in local elections. Oh, it can have an, a tremendous impact on local elections. When people uh, understand, most recently, of course, in uh, Macon County in Decatur, Illinois, they just resolved a two and a half year election contest for the sheriff. And the original finding by the electoral board in Macon County, Illinois, was in fact that the Democrat candidate for sheriff had won by one vote. Although uh, on the election night, the uh, Republican candidate for sheriff had won by 101 votes. So as the, as the days went by, uh, ultimately they certified one vote. After two and a half years, the Republican candidate, uh, Sheriff Jim Root, was sworn in as sheriff, and the, uh, other and the other sheriff, if you will, who was never properly elected, was removed from office. So one vote matters. When there's an improper registration and somebody uses that registration to vote, it can turn the outcome of an election. Well, what could you do as attorney general to help ensure at least reasonably fair and honest elections in Illinois? Uh, you know, it's uh, really very interesting that within the Attorney General Act, uh, the Attorney General is actually given a specific uh, direction regarding the uh, integrity of our elections. It's actually within the purview of the Attorney General to follow up on those, uh, on those issues. The current Attorney General certainly, to my knowledge, has done no follow up on any issues. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Macon County is not the most uh, recent problem. Even though it went on for two and a half years, we have certain things going on in DuPage County right now more votes out of DuPage County than actual voters, right? That's exactly right. Uh, there's, a, if I recollect correctly, the number is in the six or 7,000 range of uh, votes that were counted. People had not shown up to the poll or requested a mail-in ballot. We talked briefly about the Attorney General situation in the Illinois Conservative Union. I just wanted to add this. All we did with the Illinois Conservative Union was ask the Board of Elections to follow federal law in terms of allowing the review of their maintain, maintenance of the Illinois voter rolls. That's all we did. We said, just, we want you to follow the law. And of course, all the Board of Elections said in court was, we don't have to, na 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 na, right? I mean, that's, you know. But the interesting thing that occurred to me about the time that some people are asking me whether or not I might run for Attorney General was I noticed that the uh, people that responded to that case were from the office of the Illinois Attorney General. And I said to myself, I said, no, I have to do this because all the attorney general is doing is representing the government, not representing the people. And all the attorney general said was, oh, you asked us to follow law? We don't have to. And I said, no, that's not the way that job is supposed to run. And that was one of the, more mo one of the motivating factors for my doing this. David, before and after the 2020 election, you were part of President Trump's team of lawyers in Pennsylvania your findings 
contradict what the regime media has to say about allegations of widespread election fraud. They call those allegations false, unfounded, discredited. You argue that. Oh, no, that it's absolutely true. There's a, There were things going on that certainly should have... Uh at the very least, uh, delayed uh, certification in any number of uh, in any number of states. But I was involved personally in Pennsylvania, as you mentioned, particularly in Allegheny County, which is the uh, Pittsburgh area. And while I have knowledge of some of the things that went on with some uh, some of the machines and other stuff that's made headlines, we had any number of whistleblowers that uh, came forward. Uh, one of the ones that resonates most in my mind was a, a fellow that called and said. Uh, Hey, listen. I have. Uh, I'm in this business where I demolish and do construction, and I had permits to demolish a couple of buildings uh, in Pittsburgh. And he gave us the addresses and told us that permits to de do demolition were withdrawn. And uh, he ultimately uh, found out that the permits were withdrawn because in each of those buildings, 35 people were registered to vote. And uh, so those two buildings there, his his 70 votes. We ultimately determined and found out that there was 1,500 buildings scheduled for demolition in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, reason to believe that as many as 50,000 votes uh, came out of these uh, buildings scheduled for demolition. The problem in so much of this is that there's an expedite, expedited time frame. There's no time to do the normal investigations that you do. The setup is such that people are interested in having a result. Uh, very quickly, and that gets in the way of getting to the truth. You mentioned any number of whistleblowers. A rough idea how many came forward. And I still have in my uh, my computer about 300 affidavits from people from uh, both uh, Pennsylvania and Michigan, because we were classifying them by the story, by the kind of thing, whether it was being blocked from uh, being able to observe the counting, where they saw people rolling up with ballots in the middle of the night. Uh, I have. 200 affidavits, 300 affidavits myself. And if you sign an affidavit and you're lying, you're in trouble, right? Absolutely. No, uh, when you call it an affidavit and it's for the purpose of litigation or purpose for presentation in court, you uh, swear and subscribe to it before a, uh, before a notary, and you do so under penalty of perjury, and perjury is uh, a felony offense uh, subject to uh, prison in, in excess of a year. Well, since November, has anyone been charged with perjury that's come forward? Not to my knowledge. Election officials in Arizona now contend that an audit shows that Joe Biden actually increased his vote total there. What's the news media not reporting about that? Yeah, they're not reporting quite a bit because all they did report was the recount of the original ballots that were counted in the first place. It, there is no uh, provision for ballots that were either unsigned by judges or cast by people who no longer live in the area or that came in on... Uh, in envelopes that did not have signatures on them. But uh, one, of the, one of the more important things, I think, was that, at least in my observation of uh, the report from uh, Arizona, was that they uh, indicated that just shortly before the um, computer information was turned over to the auditors, there was a huge deletion of uh, some 37,000 log files. And they've been unable to, because of uh, because of situation where too many people had uh, administrative access, they were unable to uh, through the access uh, logs they were unable to determine who actually uh, who actually did these deletions. However, one of the um, things buried in all the testimony and all the reports was in fact that they've been able to sync up video of people working on the uh, election computers 
with the log file deletions and it sounds like they are going to be able to identify some people. And that to me seems to be one of the more important things. I think it's going to be really valuable if they have somebody that actually pushed the button. Why would you delete all those files if something is not fishy? Yeah, there is no reason to do that if in fact something is something's not fishy. If you did everything that you're supposed to do and everything was working the way it was supposed to work, there is no reason to delete or manipulate any kind of information. And that to me may very well be the most smoking gun of the bunch is if they sync these uh, deletions with the video of people at the machines and then they can determine who pushed the button for the log file deletions. I think then we might very well be on the way. You think they're going to catch some people? It looks like it. What my understanding is of what I saw on the, uh, on the reports, on the audit reports, that was buried in there and I think it was uh, glossed over by a lot of people. But it seemed to me that it, that was the first indication I've seen where somebody can say, you know, this is, this is who did this. What's so bad about mail-in balloting? And I've heard Republicans say we need to use it to our advantage, but what's the problem with mail-in balloting? There's a number of problems with mail-in balloting that they've put together. Among the, among the problems that I encountered while I was in Pennsylvania was the fact that they mailed, in just Allegheny County, they mailed 330,000 ballots all to one location where only five or six people are in charge of uh, in charge of sorting those out, in charge of security, in charge of making sure where, where they're at. And uh, this uh, aggregation, centralization of all the ballots all in one place, and then making it so that the uh, singular election authority, the people that are in charge of the mechanics of the election, are the only ones that see what's going on, is just ripe for, it, it's just asking for fraud. It's a situation where they're actually not, uh, not counting winners, they're appointing winners. The uh, Decatur uh, sheriff's races among them. He was uh, the sheriff was up by 101 votes before the mail-in ballots uh, showed up over the next 20 days, almost three weeks, and uh, then all of a sudden, uh, from 101 plus, he was down by one. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. Speaking of mail-in balloting, just one little anecdote here. I know an elderly couple, and there are two registered voters in their home. They were sent four unrequested ballots. Is that type of thing happening all over? Yeah, for one of the one of the ways that happens is in fact the failure to uh, purge and maintain voter rolls. Going back to the ICU uh, lawsuit, uh, when there is a failure to uh, maintain the integrity of the voting roll in the first place, then you wind up with the situation of uh, ballots being sent out to people, number one, that didn't request them, number two, that aren't there anymore, uh, that don't exist, and that is just a, an opportunity, because these are live ballots. These are ballots that can be voted, uh, you know. And so uh, if uh, the, uh, again, uh, the not so, not so good people, the evil people, uh, were to just take them out of somebody's mailbox, they, they're not gonna know the difference, and uh, those votes get voted. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. Our conversation with attorney David Shostokas will continue after this. Listen, that's the sound of Illinois jobs being flushed away because of Governor Pritzker's liberal policies. While his billionaire friends have prospered, thousands of hardworking families have lost their jobs and been forced out of the state in record numbers. Pritzker's tax and regulate agenda has devastated our local businesses and slowed economic growth. 
It's time to fire J.B. Pritzker. It's time for bold, conservative leadership. Meet Darren Bailey, a rock-solid conservative and third-generation farmer who understands the struggles families face. In the state Senate, Bailey led the fight against Pritzker's unconstitutional orders that closed businesses and deprived us of our freedoms. As governor, Bailey will fight to lower taxes, attract new jobs, and get Illinois back on track. It's time to fire J.B. Pritzker, flush away his liberal policies, and put taxpayers first. It's time for Darren Bailey for governor. Paid for by Bailey for Illinois. How do you stop fighting at school? Send in the dads. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Security guards and local police were at wit's end in a Shreveport school last month. Gang violence in the hallways had resulted in arrest. Detention wasn't working. So a group of dads stepped up. They're at the school every day now, and there hasn't been a fight in over a month. In fact, kids love going to school. They call themselves Dads on Duty, replete with sweatpants, gas station coffee, and dad jokes that you might roll your eyes at. They fist bump the students in the hallways. They provide a fathering gauntlet that's deterring fights and decreasing gang activity. Not everyone has a father figure at home, said one of the dads to CBS News, or a male in their life, period. Clearly, the crisis in Shreveport required more than just good intentions. It required fathers, because God created dads to do this kind of thing. I love how these dads took stock of their cultural moment and answered the questions, what good can we celebrate, what's missing that we can offer, what's broken we can fix, and what's evil that we can oppose. I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. I'm joined by attorney David Shostokas. He's counsel for the Illinois Conservative Union and a candidate for Illinois Attorney General. We're speaking outside the Kankakee County Courthouse, so if you hear noise in the background, we're outside. David, how can people connect with you in your campaign? Certainly, yeah, you can visit my website, uh, shestokas.com. That's S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S.com. My Twitter account is at uh, shestokas. Uh, and, of course, there's David Shestokas on the Constitution on Facebook. Conservative pundits keep saying that Republicans are sure to retake the House and perhaps the Senate in 22. But if Democrats push through their federal elections legislation, who knows what could happen? What is in that legislation on the federal side that conservatives absolutely must fight? Among the uh, parts of that, uh, what they call H.R. 1, and I believe it's uh Senate four, if I'm not mistaken, both of those are uh, both of those remain pending. They're different versions of the similar thing, where they're going to try and federalize elections, despite the fact that the Constitution provides oversight, particularly for presidential electors, where they where the Constitution provides that to be a duty of the states. But be that as it may, there's a couple of things in there. One of which is they want to uh, ban IDs for voting any place in the country. They want to get rid of uh, having people uh, have to uh, present IDs any place in the country. Uh, there's uh, limitations on uh, use of uh, political speech uh, in the period before the election. They want to make what we, we discussed ballot harvesting in the, first, uh, in the first segment. They want to make ballot harvesting a national pastime. Uh, so these are uh, ballot harvesting uh, IDs are uh, one of the two, two of the most egregious matters in that bill. And matching signatures? No, 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 we don't have to match signatures anymore. They got that lead from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Well, speaking of Pennsylvania, and let's kind of circle back to that, I think one of the problems 
for President Trump in Pennsylvania is that they changed the election law in Pennsylvania, right? Well, yeah, they, they did change the election law. They, they were changing the election law up until the day of the election. But among the most important things was, in fact, uh, during the summer of 2020, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court had actually uh, put together uh, several unusual rules, if you will, one of which was not only did they say that uh, signatures didn't necessarily have to match, they banned checking signatures. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court then said, no, you don't have to, you can't check the IDs or the uh, outside of the mail-in envelopes. Oh, and by the way, even though the state election law says they have to be in by 8 o'clock on election day, we never mind, we don't have to. And by the way, you can't check postmarks because we can't depend on the United States Postal Service. So how can we keep our election laws from being changed during the election. Is there a way to do that? Is there a way to do that? Yeah. If we can't trust the Supreme Court to stand up for that, I, it, we're, we're very, very hard pressed to uh, hard pressed to do that. But the way to do all this is to be actively involved with monitoring the election. It's very difficult afterwards. But as I mentioned, the election laws are in place to uh, allow adversarial monitoring of elections, and people need to fight for that and protect the elections while they're going on not try and, try and catch up afterwards. And we're actively doing that right now. The State Central Committee of the Republic, Illinois Republican Party has created something called the Ballot Integrity Committee, of which I'm a member. And we are now putting in place plans for having a team of attorneys being able to respond to things as they happen, you know, as they, as they go on, or to challenge changes in the law that are improperly, improperly placed. Well, some state lawmakers and leftist voting activists hope to pass legislation that would restore voting rights to people in prisons, a change that proponents say could help them connect to the process that's for the betterment of society. What could go wrong? Our, many things can go wrong in that regard, not the least of which, of course, is uh, policing elections that take place in prison, for starters. But for, uh, for most more important, I think people should understand that voting is, um, is something that's a part of uh, the privileges of citizenship. Uh, and it, in, terms of, in terms of that, you have, to, you have to achieve certain goals. That is, you have to be a citizen, you have to become of a certain age. And, you, uh, and historically, you needed to be uh, somebody that was like a member in respect of a society. And so uh, for, uh, for folks that have completed their sentences, you know, that's a, I, I suspect that's a di two different issues. But voting actually in prison, I would suspect somebody has done something to, in fact, indicate that they are not fully, fully invested in the uh, proper conduct of society. And in that regard, it's not that their voting right was taken away, it's that they gave it up. Well, Dave, if we want to ensure a fair election, a good, clean election, what are a couple things we as voters, concerned citizens, as Americans, as residents of Illinois, what must we absolutely do? We must absolutely be involved. Uh, the, the fact is, is we depend upon folks that are in government to enforce election law uh, or make it accurate rather than turn their, uh, turn their heads at problems with the system. But what we need to remember is everybody that's in office got into office with the system as it exists. And so it's very, very uh, difficult to expect uh, these folks to be agents of, uh, agents of change that will adversely impact their own interests. 
And so if you consider that the folks that are in government got into government with the system as it exists, how do we monitor the system? It's by citizens. It's by folks with the, like the Illinois uh, Conservative Union calling the uh, Illinois State Board of Elections to task. It's like folks that are uh, going to go be election judges, people that are uh, literally poll watchers. And it's not something that can be only done on Election Day. You know, we have election season now, right? Right. And uh, so uh, early voting starts. Uh, once early voting starts, you need people to monitor uh, the uh, conduct of the election officials at that particular point in time. Uh, once uh, mail-in balloting uh, starts, you have to have folks that are around uh, monitoring the uh, places where the ballots are re received and uh, stored. Uh, people have to be involved because there's so many places that are dominated by a single party. There has to be involvement by folks to uh, see to it that those people are have somebody looking over their shoulder. You know, we're outside a courthouse, right? Uh, and one of the best uh, best ways to arrive at the truth that's been uh, discovered over uh, over time is in fact the adversarial procedure and the adversarial procedure requires people on both sides presenting their strongest case and monitoring what the guys on the other team do so they kind of monitor each other if there's only one side monitoring you're not going to come up with a uh, you're not going to come up with an appropriate result david you're the author of a couple of very informative and interesting books Constitutional Sound Bites and Creating the Declaration of Independence. These are two great books. How can people get those? These uh, these books are both uh, both available on Amazon in uh, Kindle and and print. Uh, Constitutional Sound Bites is kind of kind of interesting because uh, it's different. There's 150 uh, questions and answers that uh, run from the preamble of the Constitution through the Tenth Amendment, and they're organized in that fashion interesting reading and uh, once again how can people pick him up and how can people connect with David Shostokas? Again uh, both uh, creating the declaration and um, constitutional soundbites available on Amazon print and Kindle and of course uh, you can find uh, find me on uh, at shostokas.com s-h-e-s-t-o-k-a-s.com there is in fact a contact Dave um, drop down on, uh, on my website that uh, folks can uh, send me a message if they want to uh, want to know. David Shostokas, Republican candidate for Illinois Attorney General. Thank you so much for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. And thank you folks who are tuning in. Please tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Please support the work of Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.